So guys, uh, no matter where you find yourself tonight, no matter what you believe, no matter what you've done, uh, we want you to feel welcome with all things RUF. And uh, as we've said all the time, we aspire to be a Christian campus ministry to help you walk uh, with Jesus during college. And that includes uh, during COVID-19. And uh, we're going to be studying the Beatitudes for the next few weeks. We're in week three of the Beatitudes. And the Beatitudes is the opening section of Jesus's what is called Sermon on the Mount. It's actually the largest recorded sermon in all of the Bible. And um, it's important for us to, to hear Jesus in his own words. Um, and tonight we're going to be talking about blessed are those who are meek, for they shall inherit the earth. So direct your attention to Matthew 5. Please follow along. And friends, I'm going to read it and pray, and we're going to walk through it. And God's spoken to us not to give us a theology exam to ace or a book of rules to follow. He's given us his word. He's spoken to you and to me because he loves us. He wants to dwell with us. He wants us to abide in him. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those, or blessed are uh, those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. It's the word of God for you and for me. Let's pray and ask that he might teach us. God, we come to you and we are glad. We are glad that you have spoken, that you are not silent. And Lord, um, we do ask that you would make us be still tonight, that you would slow us down. My mind is busy. My heart is restless, and I know that I'm not alone in this crew So, Lord, I do ask that you would show us beautiful things from this, your word, that we would see the word made flesh, Jesus Christ, and that we would learn to follow him, learn to love him, learn to serve him, that we would be both doers and hearers of your word. And we ask that in the name of Christ. Amen. Okay, game plan uh, is before us, and it's this. So, Two points, as usual. First is the posture of meekness, and then the promise of meekness. The posture and the promise of meekness. Okay, so let's do the first one, the the posture of meekness. So y'all, I imagine that when Jesus stood up in front of all these people and he said, blessed is this person, blessed is that person, when he got to this one, blessed are the meek. I wonder how people would have reacted. I think I would have zoned out. I don't know. I think I would have tuned him out. I think I would be disoriented by this category, this word. Blessed are the meek. 
And it's because this word has all kinds of baggage for us. It has all kinds of baggage for us. I think it's shocking to its hearers and his hearers in the first century and in 2020 because it's strange. And I want to ask you this before we get into why it's so weird and what it looks like to have a posture of meekness. I want to ask you, I want to ask you, where does your mind go when you think of the word meek? What kind of person? What comes to mind when you think of the term and the kind of person who is meek? Now, I I don't know about you, but common misconceptions that we have concerning meekness, maybe this came to mind, is to be meek is to be a timid coward. It's to be weak, actually. To be meek is to be passive, not active. To be meek is to be lazy, waiting for all the action to come to you. You never are in on the action. And if you are, you're probably apathetic about it. But listen, friends, this is not at all what Jesus means when he says, blessed are the meek. It's not what he means at all. So what is meekness and what does it look like? What is meekness and what does it look like? Here's what meekness is. To be meek, and everyone agrees about this. This is uh, all the scholars are saying this, New Testament commentators. To be meek is to embrace a confident, composed posture of receiving God's good gifts. I'm going to repeat that. To be meek is to embrace a confident, composed posture of receiving God's good gifts. The key word that I want us to think about is receive. To receive. It's to be meek is to resist the urge to take matters into your own hands and grab things for yourself. It's being a person who embraces a posture, a lifestyle of receiving. To be meek means that you're saying the most fundamental thing to be in the kingdom of God, to be a child of God, means that I receive life and gifts and forgiveness and salvation and daily bread from my Father who is the giver. That's meekness. That's meekness. Now, it's important for us to remember that in Jesus' day, when he says, blessed are the meek, uh, that, that oftentimes the way that people live their life around the world, is if they wanted something, they got it. How did they get it? They used power. They manipulated people and systems and things. They took what they wanted, when they wanted, who they wanted. And that you want it, you go get it. Sounds pretty familiar to us, I think. If you want something, go get it. And y'all are a bunch of driven, go-getter, doer types at Wofford College. If you want to go to college, go get your scholarship. You want to go into med school, go get like you better study this summer and take the standard do jump through the loops and you can do it. Go get it. Okay? And this is the way that Michael Jordan operated. It is. Uh, We're thinking about Michael Jordan a lot these days because in the 10-part series on ESPN on Sunday nights, which I highly recommend, called The Last Dance, what we learn about Michael Jordan is that he has one priority, and it is to win 
and in his own words in the documentary we were, we saw Sunday night, to win at all costs. And oftentimes what that meant for Jordan was uh, dominance, dominating everybody around him, including his own teammates. And I'm like, this is no, I love Jordan next to LeBron is like my guy. So no knock against Jordan, but this is us. You want it, go get it. This is first century power and how you acquired wealth and status and upward mobility. Just go get it. But here Jesus comes on the scene and he says, if you want to live in my kingdom under my rule and reign, I don't operate the way the world works. I don't play by the world's rules. If you want to follow me, you've got to be meek. Rather than living life of relentlessly working and manipulating the system and your way into God's love and life, children of God are to embrace a posture of receiving God's good gifts. As one commentator says, uh, of, of relating to God with welcoming trust. Welcoming trust. You're welcoming the gifts of God and you trust that he's good. Now, like every beatitude, y'all, and I want to make sure to repeat this every week. Jesus, remember, this is a sermon. Jesus practiced what he preached, didn't he? Jesus never invites his people to live a life that he did not live. He never invites his people to do something that he himself did not do perfectly. The truth about Jesus is that he operated out of meekness. He had a posture of receiving the posture and shape of Jesus' life was that of receiving his Father's faithfulness and his Father's gifts and his Father's will at all costs, regardless of his feelings and his temptations and the circumstances. And he gets thrown up on a cross like an insect, a public, a state-sponsored execution, and he is still receiving God's gifts and, and trusting his Father even in that moment. And he's inviting you and I as we take up our own cross to follow Jesus and embrace a posture of receiving, that's meekness. But then we got to think about the promise of meekness. That's the posture. Let's go to the, the promise of, meek, uh, of meekness. Remember, if you notice there, um, the promise of meekness, you look at the text, it says, you shall inherit the earth. The promise of meekness is inheritance. That's the promise, inheritance. Some of you have an inheritance. Some of you don't have an inheritance and you wish you had one. The God of the Bible, y'all, is a God who has made promises to his people. So I'm going to give you an inheritance. I'm going to bestow blessings on you in a very particular kind of way. Think of the story of the Bible for a second. Think about in creation when God creates Adam and Eve he says, I've given you everything that you need. And if you live the way that I have wired you, the way that I have made you in my image, you'll always have all things. All things. Think of Abraham for a second. God promised Abraham descendants and then the promised land. That was his inheritance. And that's why, and that was the promise for Israel. And that's why when Israel goes into Egyptian, or when they go to bondage and exile, it was away from their land. It was away from their inheritance. That's why it was such a big deal. And in Revelation, y'all, we read that the church united to Jesus 
will receive an inheritance that is internal. It's eternal. And according to the Apostle Paul, we will receive, just like in Genesis, all things in Christ. God has promised to give his children an eternal inheritance. Put in other terms like the Apostle Peter, an inheritance that will never perish, it will never spoil, and it will never fade. Friends, the children of God are those who can expect to receive eternal gifts from their good father. Not just now, daily bread he's going to provide for us, he said he would, but an eternal gifts and inheritance and blessings that can never fade. So why would we want to be meek? Because Jesus says it's the meek that will receive this. It's only the meek. My friend Robert Cunningham, another campus minister, puts it this way. When Jesus says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. He is saying, blessed are those who see themselves fundamentally as recipients. For God will give them all that they need and more. Blessed are those who see themselves fundamentally as recipients. Because if you get there, you can then receive God's gifts and all that you could ever ask or imagine. The Bible claims that God is fundamentally a giver and that humanity, the children of God, are fundamentally recipients. And y'all, both you and I know, if you know the story of the Bible, this tragic story of sin, it means that you and I, when we wake up in the morning, we are prone to live a life not from a posture of receiving. That is not where we wake up. When sin entered in the world, friends, the tragedy is this. We became those who want to be takers not receivers. This runs again through the story of the Bible. Ever since Genesis 3, human beings have struggled to trust God, their good shepherd, to give, to lead them beside still waters, to restore their soul, to give them daily bread. And so we want to take matters into our own hands. Think about Adam and Eve, y'all. Think about what they literally did. They took matters into their own hands and literally grabbed what God said. No, resist and you'll have all things. You have everything that you need. But they took matters in their own hands. They took control. And the tragedy is this. Take ma- taking matters into your own hands never works out great in God's world. Never. And I don't have to tell you that. So I want to ask you two questions. First is this, do you see yourself fundamentally as a recipient of God's good gifts? A recipient. Do you see yourself that way? And then the second is this, do you see God fundamentally as a giver? Do you see yourself as a recipient of God's good gifts? Do you see God fundamentally as a giver? Because I, I, I don't know about you, but I, I, I suspect I'm not alone is that the default disposition of my heart is not to see God this way, and it is not to operate as a recipient. Because here's the deal. If you don't trust God, that he's good, that he's going to give you all good things, that he will provide for you, then it is all up to you. Go get it. When people get in your way, control them and do not let them threaten your security and happiness. They're threats. Get them out of the way. 
But if you trust God to give you all good things like he has promised now and forever, you can live from a place of calm. You can breathe. If you trust God to give you an eternal inheritance like he said he would, that will never fade. You don't have to see other people and dehumanize them as threats and do this goofy like competition stuff. You don't have to see them as uh, competitors and threats to your joy and happiness and fullness. Embracing meekness, a life of receiving God's good gifts, look, look, this changes the way that you go about your everyday life, the way that you see God, the world, your goals, God's promises to you, other people. I'm gonna act I'm gonna land the plane with this. Have you ever been around someone that is meek like I'm describing? Have you ever been around someone like this? Maybe you have maybe you have a family member who's like this. I want you to think about them for a second. Maybe it's a friend or a roommate. Have you ever been around someone like this? I've been around a lot of people this way thankfully. And one guy is a good friend of mine. His name's Stuart, Stuart Brenniger. Stuart is a therapist in St. Louis and he operates this way. One thing that you'll notice about Stuart when you're around him is this. Stuart is not in a hurry. Stuart is not in a hurry. And it's almost comical. Stuart goes his pace. Stuart oozes a kind of peaceful, non-anxious presence that trusts in God's good gifts and promises. It's what he does. That God will keep his word, that he is in control, and that he is good. We, Stuart and I were on the phone a couple of weeks ago as all of this was happening. I was catching up with friends. And Stuart said something that sounded crazy to me. When he said, when we were talking about COVID-19, we were talking about the spread of the virus, talking about our family members, our parents and being more at risk than us. We were just talking about all the talking points with COVID-19. And here's what Stuart said in the middle of it. Man, here's the deal. Death is inevitable for all of us. And God will resurrect his people. And that's kind of the end of it for me. <laughs> and I was like, I was like appalled. I'm going to read that again. I was appalled by this. Here's the deal. Death is inevitable for us all. And God will resurrect his people. And that's the end of it for me. And I laughed and we kind of laughed. He was dead serious. And the more I thought about this, the more compelled I became. He was dead serious. And Stuart is a counselor who ministers and counsels people who are really hurting and a lot of pain. And that composed, calm, meek, trusting posture of receiving God's good gifts, knowing that he will keep his word and resurrect his church. Man, powerful. Have you been around someone like that? I I suspect that you have. And I bet you have been compelled to them in similar ways that I've, I was compelled and drawn to Stuart. These are the people you want in your corner. These are the people you want in chaos. 
These are the people you want to talk talk you off the ledge, to talk you out of your own head, to remind you of who you are, to remind you of what's true and what's not. This is who you want. And I actually want to say, um, and look, I'll never be, I'm so much more anxious than Stuart, but I want to be more like that. My point is being around people like this is compelling. I want to invite you to be that person for those around you right now. Calm, composed, not not passive, but confident composure and a, reci- a recipient seeing God as a giver, and he will keep his promises. He just will. It's what God's people do. God's people, friends, are those who say, regardless of their circumstances, and this is what he was doing, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack no good thing. I live, as Dallas Willard translates that phrase, the Lord is my shepherd. I live a life without lack now and forever. A life without lack. Unbelievable. Even in COVID-19, believe it or not, crazy. Now, you might know that Jesus, uh, Jesus, very, like really soon before he was going to go to the cross, he was in this garden called Gethsemane. Many of you guys know this. And the text says that he was sweating, or that he actually had teardrops of blood. He was sweating blood. How freaked out do you have to be to do that? He is at the end of himself. Did Jesus take matters into his own hands that night? No, he didn't. Do you think he was tempted to? According to the New Testament, it says that Jesus was tempted in every way that you and I are. And what does he say in his prayer? Here's what he says. If there's any other way that this cup shall pass for me, if there's any other way for me to do this thing that you've sent me to do, other than what I'm about to do on the cross for my people, please, if there's any other way, make that happen. And then the second part of the prayer is this, but not my will be done, your will be done. That is like living in line with your Father's will and seeing God as a good giver. He did that. He's the model for it. He trusted his Father's will and plan. Friends, refuse to live a life from a posture of hurry and panic and control and manipulation. This whole deal is not up to you. Forgiveness of sins is not up to you. Acquiring this eternal inheritance is not up to you. It requires waiting and patience, yes, of course. But trust him, you can, you can. The cross and empty tomb show that he is trustworthy. He knows what you need now and forever. And in Christ, you will, and if you are united to him by faith, you will, the Bible says you can take this to the bank, you will receive this eternal inheritance that will never fade. It is yours. So just live into it. Um, let me pray for us. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that um, you speak. Thank you that you speak to us in all kinds of circumstances. When things are going well, 
when things are not going well. Your Word is living and active. Lord, and we know that Your Word is living and active because You are living and active. Lord, it is very hard to trust You. It is very hard not to control our lives. It is very hard to see You as good in a life that is so sick with sin. And we are prone to wander away from You. Lord, we need Your help. These are hard things. But Lord, this is the best way to live. There is no other option. So Lord, walk with us. Give us daily bread now and forever. In Christ's name, amen.